Thank you, Nonu. So, it is a great privilege. This young man and his wife, lovely couple. I had some really good uh, Thai food with them today. Just it was lacquer. I'm actually less for it now. <laughs> feel a little hungry. Um, just wonderful couple. Uh, just, just been sharing their story with me. And, and um, we met via Zoom on a call. They are part of 24-7 Church. Uh, some of you, who was here when a Grand Jane Luther preached here in December? Some of you, some of you here, and maybe not. Okay. Um, so their pastors, the heads of the church, were here and ministered with us in December. And Connor and his wife will be here at the end of May. End of May. They're going to be ministering. So as family, we're connecting with them. I'll be flying in the beginning of June to go minister with them at their church. But God is doing phenomenal things in their church. It's such a revival, such incredible stuff. And they, they carry this anointing for intimacy. I believe they carry an anointing to, of a release in the place. And it's just got such a soft, beautiful spirit. So I want you guys to give a massive welcome to this Joe Burger, soon to be Cape Town. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come on, let's give him a massive, massive big welcome tonight. Damien. Oh man, it's such a super, super privilege for me to be here with you all. Um, this is probably my favorite place in the world, Cape Town. So we've got, I'm putting a lot of pressure on my wife to move here. So. <laughs> You guys can pray with me, intercede on her behalf. <laughs> um, wow, but it, it's so good. We were we were here this morning as well for the, the 10 a.m. service, and I really just want to um, honor Sean and, and honor this house for the way that you value and treasure and honor the presence of the Lord. Um, it's such a beautiful thing. The way that we lingered tonight, that's, that's really something that's so special, and you need to know that it moves the Lord's heart so much. When we take the time not to get so eager to get caught up in what we know ministry to be, um, but remembering that our highest call as sons and daughters is actually to minister to the heart of God before we get anything right. It's to love Him and to love Him well. So sometimes those moments can maybe be a little bit awkward or uncomfortable if you've never been there before. And I want to encourage us by saying when we talk about the presence of the Lord being in the room, we're not talking about like a vibe or just a, just a little feeling or something. When we talk about the presence of the Lord being here, the, the tangible presence, something that you can actually feel, we're talking about Jesus being in the room. It's about the Lord Himself actually being here in our midst. It's not just a cloud. It's not just a, a, a feeling. It can be felt. It's supposed to be experienced. But when we talk about His presence, that is Jesus Himself coming into the room to minister to us. It means that He's so moved by what you're doing. He's so moved by your worship, he's so moved by your heart for him, that he actually wants to manifest himself into this room. He actually wants to touch you individually and corporately. So this is what's so beautiful. I, I love church so much because it's a family getting together with one heart, one purpose, and that is to give glory to Jesus. When we do that, you don't have to be a pro at it. It's very simple. It's just simply loving Him. It's just simply, it can be singing. It's a heart posture, you know, just giving our affection and our attention to Him. And when we do that, it doesn't have to take three hours or three days. It's in a moment. It moves His heart so much. We need to understand as the church that Jesus didn't pay the price that He paid to make it hard for us to know Him. He didn't pay the price that he paid. I'm going to say that again. He didn't pay the price that he paid to make it hard for us to know him and encounter him. The gospel is to encounter Jesus. You know, we call it, the, the, the Bible talks about it, the message of reconciliation. I don't like to just assume that everyone knows what those Christianese words mean, but so just to know that we're all on the same page. To be reconciled to God, the, the message and the ministry of reconciliation is to come back into a place of oneness with God Himself. That's not just a, it is a nice idea, but it's, it's meant to be more than just a nice idea. It's meant to be something that we actually experience. The, the, the whole heart of what Jesus did, the price that our beautiful God paid was so that we could encounter Him, not He's far away, we're down here, and we hope that we'll you know, be beamed up to heaven one day. No, it's actually the, the Lord came down to dwell in our hearts. He, he wants to not just be accepted, He wants to be received. He wants to be welcomed, He wants to be loved, because He wants you to know Him experientially. 
not just intellectually. You can know this backwards, and you should, it's awesome, but you can know this backwards and miss the person of Jesus entirely. And the problem with that is you may be able to rattle off scripture after scripture, but there'll be no life in your heart. There'll be no substance to what you communicate. And I I really believe when we read, that's what Jesus really came to smash um, amongst the Pharisees, right? He said to them, they would quote scripture to him and he would tell them that they're wrong because they know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. They missed the person of Jesus. He was right in front of them. They knew this backwards. Obviously, they, they only had like the Old Testament stuff, but that, the whole entire thing is pointing towards Jesus. But they knew all of that backwards. They didn't have verses and, and, and nice Bibles like we have. It was just text that they memorized. But when the person of Jesus stood right in front of them, they failed to recognize him. They couldn't honor him for who he was. So I want to encourage us that the word and the presence of God are not two separate things. They must be met as one and treated as one. When you read the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the the tablets of stone, were stored in the Ark of the Covenant, which was where the glory of God dwelt. The Word was never separated from the presence. So just a, a, a real quick tip here. Some people really struggle with, um, with reading the Bible with, you know, it's like, oh, but I just don't understand it sometimes or... You know, I, I, I don't enjoy reading, whatever it is. You need to know this is Jesus in print. So when you read the Word, don't treat it as a textbook because I don't know about you, but I'll get real bored if I treat this thing as a textbook. I, I wasn't very good at school, so <laughs> um, textbooks are not my thing. But when you understand that Jesus is the Word of God and that every single word, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says all Scripture is breathed out by God. And I believe that His breath is required to make it alive in your heart. So if I'm not engaging with the person of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, while I'm reading the Word, then even though it is the Word of God, it will produce no transformation and fruit in my life. It needs the person of Jesus to, to, um, to really, really hit, take things home, you know, to really bring transformation in my life. So that was a bit of a rabbit trail, but I, I just wanted to honor you guys for, for honoring His presence because you can have, as a, as a church, you can have absolutely everything, the best venue, the best programs, the best speakers, the best worship team, the lights and all of that, but if you don't have the presence of the Lord, you have absolutely nothing. Good, good churches without the presence of the Lord do not produce people that will change the world. Your life will not be changed by a good service. Your life will only be changed by Jesus. Even in everything that I say to you today, my words will never change your life, but a touch from Jesus, Him speaking into your heart. If you take what is sown tonight and you nurture it, and what that means is you spend time with the Lord, you meditate on it, you, you spend time seeking His presence and simply just loving Him, adoring Him, worshiping, and, and that harvest begins to come. A seed doesn't have to work very hard uh, to grow. It's, it's what nourishes it that, that causes it to happen. So if we can get good at cultivating a good environment for the seeds that are sown into our heart, which is just loving Jesus, um, He will do so much more with your life than you could ever, ever, ever imagine for, uh, for yourself or ever desire or plan uh, for yourself to, to try and achieve. So really, the presence of the Lord never... You, you will never graduate from that place. All we're going to be doing in heaven one day is worshiping Him and loving Him. Don't wait till then to start doing that. Let's do it right now. It's the, it's the most beautiful, beautiful thing. So what I want to um, talk about is, is a little bit in line with that and, and hopefully picking up on a little bit what Sean was sharing this morning, um, for those of you that weren't here, just talking about this, um, this invitation from the Lord into something more. Um, that's again a lot of language that we can use in church, but really in this time, I, I would say particularly in the last year, especially in this COVID season, if I can call it that, the Lord has been doing incredible, incredible, incredible things. I believe He's purifying His church. I believe He's stripping away all the things that we have learned to rely on that have actually not been Him. We can't just be about the things of God and not be about God. If we get loving Him right, the rest will just be effortless and be so much more fruitful and impactful than what we could ever do in our own ability and strength. But what it takes 
is a people who, even in the midst of, of hardship or, or trials and things like that, is a people that are so zealous for the presence of the Lord, that regardless of what's happening in my life, regardless of what's happening in my family, my, my, my business, whatever it is, the thing that must matter most to me, that I must be relentless about pursuing, ruthless about pursuing, is His presence. If I stop pursuing the presence of Jesus, then everything else that I do counts for nothing. There will be no life. It'll be an absolute chore. And all you'll be thinking about is, I can't wait to get, uh, you know, just beamed up out of here one day because, you know, life sucks and <laughs> it's just getting really hard. And yes, life gets really hard sometimes. Um, and in fact, living a godly life, Jesus promises persecution. That's just kind of the way it is. But the reward of knowing His presence, the reward of seeing His face, the reward of feeling His love fill you and surround you, there is no price that is too great to pay to experience that even once in your entire life. And all it takes is one touch to be addicted to the presence of the Lord and to His love for the rest of your life. It's just about being intentional, making the decision to recognize the, the value of Jesus, the value of His presence. Um, if, you wanna, if you have your Bibles, I hope you have your Bibles, it is church. <laughs> um, I love my Bible so much. This is my absolute, this is my, my favorite, what's the word? My most cherished possession, there we go. Um, you can turn with me, sorry, I didn't give you a scripture. You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, um, I think verse, verse 44, just a real quick scripture here. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 44. Um, this whole chapter, actually quite amazing, again, talking about the, the seeds and the sowing. This whole uh, chapter is, Jesus is just speaking a whole lot of parables here about um, uh, sowing the seed of the word and, and talking about the kingdom and all that stuff. But um, one in the last couple of weeks that, he's been, that he says here has really been just stirring in my heart the last little while. Verse 44, he says, um, I'm reading out of the, the ESV just so everybody knows. Um, it says, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has uh, and buys that field. Um, Verse 45, this is the one I want to emphasize here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, emphasize that again, one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. There's a couple key things to, to take out of this um, that are, I, I really believe can just be practical tools for you to take home and, and just continue or to begin wherever you're at, just pursuing a life of, of seeking the presence of the Lord. Um, one thing is to be in search of Him. The first thing is there's this merchant who is in search of fine pearls. I believe, and I know from, from the life that I lived, but, but I think everybody can agree, is from the moment that you start to sort of think for yourself, there is this inherent desire in us to find something of great value and of significance for our lives. A lot of people will look for that in their work, in their career. You, you, you know, you're always going, the next success, the next big step, that's when I'll feel fulfilled. That's when I'll feel satisfied. For some people, it might be in relationships. It could be absolutely anything that you, you know, have felt really invested in. But what I know from my own experience, the life that I lived before I met Jesus, is that every single success that I um, achieved, every goal that I managed to tick off, every new experience that I thought would be the next best thing that I was made for, I would get there hoping for it to be something, you know, that would just absolutely blow my mind, but it, it was instantly as bitter and as empty as what the rest of the world had to offer anyway. And the sad thing, and I know this is none of you, but a lot of people live their entire lives their entire lives searching for something of significance to give their whole life to. And they never find it. And the reason for that is because the, the one thing that you were made for, the one thing, we all have the exact same calling. A lot of people get that mixed up, but we all have the same calling, and that's to know Jesus. You were made for Jesus, to know Him. Everything about you has been designed to encounter God here on the earth and in heaven. 
There is nothing in this world, absolutely nothing, not even your calling into ministry, whatever it is, even if it is a godly thing, it doesn't matter. There is nothing except for the presence of Jesus, Jesus himself, that will bring you the satisfaction that your soul longs for. You were made for him and only him. And only when you realize that and experience that will you begin to see fruit in your life. Will you begin to find joy in the things that the Lord has called you to, whether that be ministry, whether that be business, whether that be a stay-at-home mom, doesn't matter what it is. When Jesus becomes your everything, when Jesus becomes your everything, that's when everything will begin to change. So there's a merchant. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, look at his response, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I think there are so many people in the church that never fully give their lives over to Jesus because they've never really taken a good look at his value. I'm going to try real hard to explain that a little bit more, but if we don't understand and know through encounter, not just somebody like me standing up here and telling you, but through encounter, if we don't know how incredible Jesus is, if you don't know the price that he paid for you, to have this incredible life. If you don't really fully grasp that, you won't value it. And if you don't value it, you'll never give your whole life to it. You can value it kind of, like you can recognize there's something cool there. You know, I, I feel a little bit good when I come to church on a Sunday and, you know, the people are quite nice except for that one guy who sits in the corner or whatever. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, and, you know, there's something that, like, draws you here, but then how many can, you know, put their hand up, you don't have to put your hand up, but say that, you know, sometimes when you leave or you wake up on the Monday morning, you don't really feel like that much of a spiritual person anymore, or you, you know, struggle to maintain what happens here on a, on a Sunday with the 99% of your life for the rest of the week. And I think where the church falls short in that is because we've, we've yet to grasp the value of the presence of the Lord. We've yet to grasp the value of who Jesus actually is because if that becomes revelation in my heart, if I, if I begin to see even a glimpse of who he really is, of the price that he paid, realizing that he's taken me from the kingdom of darkness into, the, uh, into his kingdom of marvelous, beautiful light, then just like this merchant in search of fine pearls, when I find that one pearl, there is only one. You will never find it in anything else. There is one pearl of great value. And when you find it, the only, the only worthy response is to give everything. Everything. The only worthy response is to give everything. He wants all or nothing. And that can be a little bit of a hard one to swallow because don't get me wrong, he is so rich in grace and in mercy that wherever you are at in your walk with the Lord, wherever you are at in life, he will never hold himself back from meeting you and wanting to encounter you. Ever, 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 ever. But every word that he speaks, every moment that he's in the room, every moment that he lives in your heart, which is permanent, by the way, just so that you know that, um, every moment that he's there is a constant moment-to-moment invitation to experience him in a greater measure to experience him in a greater measure. There's always more of Jesus. He's infinite. When you read, um, when you read the book of Revelation, it's quite a, a super intense book, but the first couple of chapters are this wild description of the throne room in heaven. I mean, it's insane. You've got to have a really powerful imagination to even picture the things that John is describing in there, you know, like creatures with eyes everywhere and all kinds of things. But um, what's really so profound about that uh, in chapter 4 He's describing these living creatures that are, that are around the throne. And he says, night and day, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Think about this for a moment. This is really hard. I don't, I don't believe you can get to a spiritual place where you can be free of, of the understanding of time on, because we live in time, you know. But we've got to understand this is outside of time as we know it. It's It's eternity. There is no technically night or day. There, is no, there are no hours that are passing. But constantly, right now, it's happening right now in heaven. There are creatures and angels and, and all kinds of things that are worshiping the Lord, and they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. For you and I, that's like, okay, haven't you got something else to sing by now? You know, you've been with Him for so long. Surely there's another word. But 
I want us to understand something here. When they see him, it's not the same response every single time. They're filled with eyes because every time they look at the Lord, there is a new part of him that they experience and that they see. So every single time, it's a fresh revelation. They see him again, holy. They see him again, holy. They see him again, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Even in heaven, you never experience the end of God. You never get to a place where, okay, that's it. Why? Because then you'd get bored and then you'd want to be better than him. And that would, we all know how that would go. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that even in heaven right now, they never stop because he's always worthy. Because they're always experiencing a greater, um, a greater realm of who he is, a greater aspect of his heart. And, it, and it, 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 it has to produce a response in us. If I'm seeing Jesus rightly, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm truly encountering the Lord, there must be a response that comes from my life. Whether that be a, a simple decision. Maybe, maybe it is a, a decision to sow something that you've been clinging to. Maybe it's a decision to be a whole lot more diligent about reading your Bible every day. Maybe even in the midst of a busy schedule, it's going, okay, I know I have a whole lot of things to do, but I need to prioritize time for my king, for my Lord who gave his whole life for me. I mean, when you word it like that, it kind of puts it in perspective. Like, is it really, am I really too busy to give him 10 minutes when he stepped off of his throne, came as a man, gave his life for me, his whole entire life, just so that I could know him? And, and I, I don't have anything against giving the Lord 10 minutes, but, you know, whatever time you have to give him, he will honor that time. Even in the midst of a, a busy schedule, and I encourage any people that are maybe in just really, really busy lifestyles, prioritize time for Jesus. You will make time for what you value. You will make time for what is really, really valuable to you. You will. There's no such thing as I don't have time. It's you, you don't make time. You've allowed something to matter more to you than that which matters most. And it's a little bit difficult. It's like, oh, no, but you don't understand. Like, I've got all these things to do. Wake up 10 minutes earlier, man. 10 minutes. Give the Lord those 10 minutes. I promise you, if you honor Him with 10 minutes, it'll feel like three hours. I've been there. Sometimes your days change day to day. It's, you know, not every time you have a set amount of time. But whatever you give Him, the Lord honors that. Because it's not about, well, I'm going to, you know, change this guy's life more because he gives me three hours a day, but this guy only gives me 10 minutes. It's not about the time. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. If I posture my heart as, Lord, you are everything to me. I love you so much. Yes, I'm so busy, but I'll, I'll give you any spare second that I have to just love you, just to acknowledge that your presence is here, to thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit in my life, that even in the midst of my busyness, you are right there in the midst of it all. So simple, right? Very practical tool that I'm giving you right there, but it's so simple that if you begin to do that even in your busy day, you'll begin to see God move in your business and in your workplace just by acknowledging Him. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's not about trying to be over-spiritual. It's about acknowledging that God is with you because He is. He really is. Um, on this heart of, uh, on this trail of, of great value, a man in the Bible who explains this so beautifully is Paul. If you want to turn with me real quick to Philippians chapter 3. Is everyone still okay? Come on. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to go from I'm going to go from verse from verse 4. Philippians chapter 3 verse 4. Uh, Paul, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. I love, I love Paul. He's like, he just knows that he's better than everybody else, but he's still so humble about it. Um, <laughs> he just has a beautiful way of doing that. Um, but he says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. That's, sheesh. You'd think like, wow, so arrogant, right? But listen to what he says. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, uh, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But listen to this, verse 7, watch. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything, everything 
as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I'm going to read verse 8 again. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's camp a little bit, verse 7 and 8. I just really feel, let's stay there just a little bit longer. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Something very important to understand here is when you, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I forget what the actual word is, but when you study the Greek here, that word knowing is not an intellectual knowing. It's not, how many know there's a very big difference between knowing about somebody and actually knowing somebody? It's the same with Jesus. You can hear every sermon that's ever been made. You, like I said before, you can read this whole thing backwards and know a whole lot of things about God. But if you don't know God, then you've missed it all. You, you can't know Jesus without knowing the person of Jesus. So what he's saying here is, I mean, he's listing how successful he actually was. You've got to understand, like in, in his day, he was like top of the top for what he was going after. I mean, he literally calls himself, you know, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, I was, I was as good as they come, man. Like, I did everything so right. I, I knew the law. I, I obeyed the law. I knew the scriptures. I did all this stuff exactly as it was written. But again, the moment he met Jesus, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, around there, you can go read uh, where he encounters the Lord. On his way to go and persecute the church. Hated the church so much. Out of a zeal for God. How amazing is that? He was zealous for the Lord while trying to kill those whom the Lord loved. Because he had all the knowledge, but missed the person. He missed the person. And he had all this status, right? It was really, you, you got to understand, this is, maybe it doesn't sound so fancy to us if we don't understand the culture, but for a, a Jewish man, he was really doing well for himself. And he actually says here that whatever gain I had, this is verse 7, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I count it all as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Him. There is no uh, goal that you can achieve, no possession that you can attain, no amount of money that you could have, no beautiful house in Camps Bay, although that would be awesome. <laughs> nothing that you could do, nothing that you could achieve that could ever come close to knowing the person of Jesus. And in fact, when you do know Him, you actually realize that that stuff is just garbage anyway. It's okay to have it, not saying it's bad to have those things. It's really not. Some people are called to, you know, have very wealthy lifestyles because God is using him in that way. But the difference is, if he has my heart, then the possessions never can. My successes will never own and determine who I am because Jesus is the one who has my heart. So whatever happens, it doesn't actually really matter. Whatever I gain or whatever I even lose, maybe there's even times of lack. Paul talks about that at the end of um, uh, Philippians, you know, everyone likes a quote, I can do all things through Christ, it gives me strength, you know, when you're having a bad day, I can do all things, you know, <laughs> but what he's actually talking about there, he says, um, he says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and then verse 13 is the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, what he's saying there is actually the way that life is going. And life has been tough. Come on, who can say it's been a little bit hard in the last year, right? Um, but this might sound a little bit strange. I'm actually so grateful for the last year. And I don't say that as uh, somebody who had an easy ride over the last year. Uh, my family, we went through a, a really tough time, but we saw the grace and the goodness and the faithfulness and the provision of God in a way that we had never seen before. We like to sing about waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, all that stuff, but until you're in the situation where it becomes real to you, you'll never really value it. You've got, to, you've got to allow yourself, throw yourself in the deep end, so to speak, to actually experience the things that we read about in the Word, and that's what Jesus wants for us. It's going to cost, but the reward is His presence. The reward is the person of Jesus. So no matter what I'm facing, 
no matter what I've even achieved, what I've done, what I've, what I've yet to do, none of it could ever compare to the surpassing worth. I love how Paul words that. It's, it's like it's ever increasing. It's not like it's just a little bit better. Like, you know, like Jesus is a little bit better than getting that Ferrari last year. Or, you know? It's like, no, there's, it's the surpassing worth. Like, that he actually says all these things are like garbage. I count them as rubbish, like scum of the earth kind of stuff, you know, because when you look at him, when you actually just stop and take a moment to behold the beauty of Jesus, when you just begin to meditate on the gospel and the power of God and what he's done for you, there is nothing, nothing that comes close to that kind of feeling. And that feeling I'm talk- talking about is, is Jesus coming into your life. The presence of the Lord beginning to fill your thoughts, beginning to fill your heart, beginning to fill everything that you do. It just doesn't matter when you have Jesus. It really just doesn't matter when you have him. What I want to just maybe, um, last scripture that I want to read is in 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a beautiful, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, Paul is really making so clear what the ministry, the ministry of uh, reconciliation is. We spoke about that just now, right? Being reconciled to God, being brought back into that place of oneness with Him. And he's busy unpacking this real thoroughly. We can read some of it real quick. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's go from verse 14. He says, For the love of Christ controls us. Some translations might say compels us. Isn't that such a beautiful thing? The love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, speaking about Jesus, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on then, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, hallelujah, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Listen to this. This is really good. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know what is so fascinating to me about this scripture, where he says here, we implore you, like we... we, we urge you, that's maybe a better way of wording it, we, we like crying out to you, be reconciled to God. Why that is so significant, I'm sure you'll all clap in a moment when you catch this one, but, um, is that he's not writing this letter to unbelievers. He's writing this to the church. In fact, this is the second letter that he's written uh, to this particular church, the Corinthian church. So he's actually got a real established connection with these guys, of this church that he's planted, that he's fathered, that he's sown into, that he's watched raise up. Um, Obviously, they have had a whole lot of their problems, but what he keeps coming back to emphasize is the heart and the message of the gospel. And what he says to them, he talks about the ministry and the message of reconciliation. But what he urges them about is to be reconciled to God. Because you see, you can have this moment where you give your life to Jesus and you get saved, and that's a beautiful thing. That's the most beautiful, the greatest miracle that could ever happen is not the most wild healing that you can think of, the the greatest amount of money deposited into your account when you really needed it, somebody even being raised from the dead. There is no greater miracle than the gift of salvation, than a soul being brought from death and now being brought alive in Jesus. However, if we just stop there, we... We can't just stop there. There, there is a, a profound life that Jesus has paid for us to have, and it doesn't just end the day that you get saved. That makes no sense. He didn't do all that he did just so that you could have a moment, a moment where you taste uh, just a little glimpse of heaven and his goodness and his love, and you feel really good because, wow, I, I finally met the one, and I've, I've encountered everything that I was ever created to be, and then it's just over. The point is not to just know the message of reconciliation, but to live reconciled to God. That means that every moment of every single day, I am fully aware and and actively pursuing a life in union with God, a life where every decision that I make, every thought that I think, every 
act of service or ministry or, or whatever it is that I do is with Him. It's not just about knowing a message, guys. I, I really want to hit that so hard tonight. Like, let's not be a people that become sermon-proof, that get really good at knowing to tick the box on a Sunday and come and listen to what whoever is speaking has to say, and maybe I get a little bit blessed by it. That's amazing, and it's needed, and it's biblical, and I love church more than anything in this world. But the point, the point of what we're sharing here, the point of why we worship, the point of why we're doing all of this is to equip and encourage every one of you, every one of us, to live reconciled to God. To know that there is one man named Jesus who gave his whole entire life, he laid down his throne in heaven to take on the same nature that you and I have, the same emotions, the same feelings, the same weaknesses, and he lived a perfect and holy and blameless life, and he gave it up. He knew that there had to be, um, there had to be be a price paid for the sin of the world and he took it upon himself can I just ask you when you've ever been in a moment when you felt really really um, guilty of, of, about something you know maybe something an area that you've messed up and I'm not sharing this to make anybody feel a bit, little bit hard but you know that feeling is like it's horrible right like you know when you've you've sinned or, you, or you've messed up or whatever it is and it just feels absolutely horrible can you imagine can you imagine feeling the weight of carrying that feeling but times every person that would have ever been made, ever had been made, uh, being carried on your shoulders. Can you imagine carrying the weight of the sin of the whole entire world, every single generation that would ever be birthed? That is the price that Jesus chose to take. That is the crown that he chose to put on his head. Just going to let that sit for a little bit because you need to actually meditate on that for it to really, really just cut you to the heart. Not cut your heart, cut to the heart, cut through all the junk to remember and actually realize that a, a huge, huge, huge price was paid and not to hold something against you. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus, Hebrews 12, it says he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He did all of that. I love the Passion Translation. I don't know if you know the Passion Translation, but it words it like he, he endured the cross for the joy knowing that you would be his. He looked ahead knowing that the price and the pain and the agony that he's going through right now on your behalf, that's really important. He did it for you, but also on behalf of you. We deserved what Jesus got. Now, some people don't like hearing that because it's like, no, but I'm a good person. Not without Jesus, you're not. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. He wouldn't have had to die if, if, if that wasn't the case, right? But he took that on his shoulders because he loves us so much that he was willing to pay such a significant price to remove every single obstacle out of the way that could ever separate you from him. He's made it so, so, so easy. That's why in Hebrews 10, you read scriptures like, now, because of the price that he paid, because of the new and living way that he's made available to us, we can with confidence and boldness confidence and boldness draw near to the throne of grace we can come into his presence knowing that i have been washed by the blood of jesus I, when the father looks at me he sees the perfection of jesus you don't need to earn right standing with god otherwise jesus died for nothing what he paid for was a life reconciled to god and that looks like relationship that looks like treasuring His presence and His Word above everything else in your life. Your family, your work, your dreams, your aspirations, whatever it is. It might look different for every single person. It probably does. But when we begin to come into this place of loving Him more than absolutely anything, when we value the person of Jesus above anything in our lives, that is when God will begin to use you profoundly. He will use you to change the world because when you experience that you can't be selfish with it that's why i love the lord is bringing the great commission back to the center of the church again because he's awakening the church to realize what we've actually got he's giving us fresh encounters fresh fire he's awakening revelation again to know and understand the price that he paid so that we could live fully for him so that we could be like that uh, merchant in search of fine pearls who when we actually look at jesus we go i will give you everything I'll give you everything because you're so beautiful. You're so worthy. You're so incredible. And no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm dealing with, it's all garbage when I just look at you. 
You know, you can bring your troubles and your, and your struggles to the feet of Jesus, but they just fall away when you're in that place because it's like nothing matters when you're in His presence. If this is just an idea, then you'll never, then you'll never know. If it remains an idea, then it's like, what's the, what's the point of this really? It's so easy to backslide when you don't know the person of Jesus. When you encounter Him, when what happened earlier um, this evening, where we, we wait in His presence, where we honor that the King of glory has decided to walk into the room. Oh, never underestimate those moments. Even if you maybe didn't feel something super radical, those seeds, that mustard seed of the kingdom, the smallest of all the seeds, but it grows into the tallest of all the garden plants. Never overlook even a small situation in the presence of, uh, of the Lord. Because what he will do with that seed that he sows in your heart is far greater, far bigger, far more incredible than anything that you can imagine. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I really felt um, this afternoon just prepping a little bit for tonight and just spending some time with the Lord and asking what he wanted to just share and impart uh, to this community. I, I really felt in my heart that there were specific um, people. I, I felt the Lord say that he wanted to just pour out a fresh fire, that there were hungry ones who were here who would um, have an experience or an encounter or whatever it is of, of recognizing the value of Jesus. And, and maybe it's something that you've actually been burning with for a little while, where you've been wanting to, to, to dive all in. You've been wanting to give everything to live this life because you know that Jesus is worthy. You know that what He will do in you and through you is far greater than anything that you can do for yourself. And I feel like there were just some people here, whether it's one, the whole room, doesn't matter we'll we'll go after it but i i really feel like if that's you if you've had this burning in your heart to live fully for jesus maybe you've already been saved for 20 years maybe you've been saved for five minutes maybe you're not even saved at all but you know you know and you can recognize even if it's just a taste that this man jesus this king of glory is worthy to give my whole entire life to everything everything i would give to know him everything yeah, Lord, I thank you that you're just stirring right now in, in people's hearts, Lord. Thank you for that fire. Thank you for that fire that you're pouring out. Thank you that you are inviting people, calling people, even right now, into greater realms with you, Lord. To give you everything, to see you rightly, to encounter the beauty of your presence. Lord, I thank you right now, whoever those people are, thank you that this fire, that fire in their hearts begins to intensify right now. You won't mistake it. You know if it's there, if you're just burning for Him. And if you're not, it's okay. Just open your heart. He's so gentle. He's so beautiful. Just acknowledge Him. Just honor Him. Just ask Him, Lord, help me. I don't, I don't know what this all means. I don't know what this all looks like, but here I am, Lord. Come and touch me. Come and reveal yourself to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just want to linger here a little bit longer. I really feel like the Lord's moving in people's hearts and we'll maybe call you up in a little bit, but just if you're feeling that that fire in your heart, if you're feeling the presence of the Lord, just lean into it right now. Don't even settle for what you're feeling right now. Press in. Press in. If you're feeling nothing, it's okay. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you are, what you're aspiring to. He loves you so much. He wants you to encounter Him desperately. Desperately. Just begin to open your heart to Him. Just begin to love Him. It's that simple. Just love Him. Thank Him for who He is. Tell him it doesn't make sense if you feel like it doesn't make sense. He knows your heart. He wants you to understand. He wants you to know him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I think each one of you as they continue to minister to people, would you just for a moment close your eyes? Everyone, 
Everybody just close your eyes. Sometimes in the spirit, God comes to release. Not sometimes, always. God will send somebody to come and release something in the house. To release something in the spirit. Every one of you here tonight, we're privileged to receive something, whether you realize it or not. Of a time of intimacy, a time of fire, a new revelation, a new understanding, a seeker, the great pearl. The great pearl. You've been awakened tonight. So get ready to see and receive and experience like you've never had before of who Jesus is, what his presence is, revelation in the word, things that you've never seen before. It's time for it now. Father, I pray for every person that was here tonight. Every person that came in to be in this place tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in their life. And I thank you for the word and the seed that fell into their heart tonight. May their time of prayer, their dreams, their life, their encounters with you be different. Be different. It's a newness. It's a new day. I thank you for that, Lord, tonight. There's an awakening happening in KLC. There's a new season. There's a new day. There's a newness of what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name tonight, Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You can soak some time still in his presence. If you need to go, you're welcome. We're just going to be still busy here. If you need prayer, if you still want to come, you're welcome to come. We can pray for you. Or officially, we want to close it out to now, okay? Thanks for coming tonight. What an awesome night, right? What an awesome night. I want to honor this wonderful couple and this man of God that was here tonight. Such a young man with such fire, intimacy. We loved him, man. Can't wait to have you back. Two of you. <laughs> can you can the two of you just come and stand here quickly? I want to ask Nathaniel, will you come and just come and stand with me? I'll stand stand there next to <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I should have given some direction there. <laughs> Sorry guys. Why don't you stand with me and just stretch out your hands over them? God's called the two of them for ministry. And they've been stepping out into it and they've been venturing deeper into it. There's so much more that God is still going to do. If this is this is just the start. We stand amazed here tonight. We're honored of the gift that was brought to the house. Thank you for being obedient. You, there is there's such an obedience on you, and because you obedient, when God says left, you turn left. You just you say yes to what God says. If God says right, you turn right. If God says stop, you stop. If He says go, you go. There's an obedience to the to the voice, and because you know His voice and you obey His voice, God says, "I will trust you with more. I will impart more into you. I'm going to show you things you've never experienced. There's an intimacy and a revival that you carry. There's an anointing that you carry. You're going to see signs and wonders through you. The wisdom that God's going to impart into the two of you. The, the anointing and, the, and the, uh, the season of where you're in right now is to, is to grow and to, and to be cultivated and to see that grow into what it is. But God says, I am going to use that. More and more and more and more. Because I can trust you. And tonight, we bless this couple. For the hands that was laid upon the men that laid hands upon me. 
right through for generation to generation to generation that is unto this moment of a John G. Lake and a Smith Wigglesworth, that those hands were laid unto family, that was laid unto my parents, that was laid unto me. I come tonight and I just release what God has put in your heart and in your life in the name of Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. But the start. This is but the start. And we honor them tonight. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You live in honor. That's why you'll receive honor. Every bit of who you are is honor to those around you. And because of that, you'll have honor where you go. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to the ancestors I would give to them. Be strong and, be, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. <clears throat> Meditate in day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord... Our God is with you wherever you go. Amen, amen, amen. We bless them tonight, Lord, as they leave Cape Town. We know what you have birthed in this season. There will be a time where that will be. But we know what you are doing as we trust you every step of the way. We thank you for it, Lord, tonight. We honor them in this house. We honor their lives. We honor their ministry. We honor them as a couple for what they've brought as a gift to this house tonight and this morning. And we bless them tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen.